grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. traditionally is known as the Passion Sunday. Well, in fact, all of Lent has been focusing on the passion of our Lord, his suffering and death on the cross. But this particular Sunday is called the Passion Sunday. And what is interesting is the gospel reading for this Sunday has a strong emphasis on who Jesus really is in the light of the Jewish leaders who are trying to kill him. And Jesus responds to what they're doing and knowing what their purpose is, he responds to them with a unique parable called the parable of the wicked tenants. And so we will consider those words this morning. Our first lesson for this fifth Sunday in Lent is found recorded in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, beginning at the 16th verse. This is what the Lord says who makes a road through the sea and a path through mighty waters, who brings out the chariot and the horses, the army and the strong warrior. They will all lie down together. They will not get up. They are extinguished like a wick they go out. Do not remember the former things. Do not keep thinking about ancient things. Watch, I am about to do a new thing. Now it will spring up. Don't you know about it? Indeed, I will make a road in the wilderness. In the wasteland, I will make rivers. The wild animals, the jackals, the ostriches will honor me because I am providing water in the wilderness, rivers in a parched wasteland, water for my chosen people to drink. This people that I formed for myself will declare my praise. This is the word of the Lord. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, beginning at the 8th verse. But even more than that, I consider everything to be a loss because of what is worth far more, knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. For his sake, I have lost all things and consider them rubbish so that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own, which comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God by faith. I do this so that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, in the hope that in some way I might arrive at the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus also took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it yet, but there is one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind and straining toward the things that are ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. We read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 20, beginning at verse 9. Jesus began to tell the people this parable. 
A man planted a vineyard, leased it to some tenant farmers, and went away on a journey for a long time. When it was the right time, he sent a servant to the tenants to collect his share of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenant farmers beat the servant and sent him away empty-handed. The man went ahead and set, sent yet another servant, but they also beat him, treated him shamefully, and sent him away empty-handed. He then sent yet a third. They also wounded him and, knew, and threw him out. The owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my son whom I love. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the tenant farmers saw him, they talked it over with one another. They said, this is the heir. Let's kill him so that the inheritance will be ours. They threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. So what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those tenant farmers and give the vineyard to others. When they heard this, they said, may it never be. But he looked at them and said, then what then what about this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush the one on whom it falls. That very hour, the chief priests and the experts in the law looked, began looking for a way to lay hands on him, because they knew he had spoken this parable against them. But they were afraid of the people. This is the gospel. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the Gospel of Luke chapter 20. It is verses 9 through 19. I open with these words from our text. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush the one on whom it falls. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I chose this text about two weeks ago, deciding to preach on it for this Sunday. And yet, I find it so ironic that all of a sudden I, I see on my news feed that comes up on my phone all the commotion that took place last Sunday at the Oscars. We have an actor, a movie star, going up and slapping a comedian and, and then walking away right on stage for the whole world to see. And why I bring this up is because I've been studying this text, hearing about how several servants have been struck by these tenant farmers in this parable called the wicked tenants. All this slapping and, and fighting, and now people are even taking sides and and some are supporting the actor and what he did because he stood up and, and he stood for his wife and whose character was, 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 was being attacked. And then, and then some are standing up for the comedian and stand, because no one should be, take violence like that. They could have talked it over later. So whatever side you find yourself, I find it interesting that there were no sides taken when Jesus explained the parable of the wicked tenants. In fact, the entire crowd that Jesus is preaching to said, may it never be. That what these wicked farmers were doing, may it never be 
that they abuse the servants and even the son whom the owner of the vineyard sent. In order to understand this beautiful parable, understand that Jesus was pe preaching to a rather large crowd of people. This is actually Tuesday of Holy Week. So people are coming because of the Passover. They are coming to the temple. And, and, and during that week, the Passover, Passover being on Thursday, um, during that week, they people would be going to the temple. Jesus used Monday and Tuesday as an opportunity to preach and teach. And the religious leaders were trying to thwart him left and right. They were constantly asking him questions in order to discredit him before the eyes of the people. Jesus now turns to the crowd and tells this parable, which, by the way, wasn't just directed to the people. It was actually directed to the Jewish leaders. They connected the dots and figured that out. In fact, after they heard this parable, they were so irate, they wanted to arrest him immediately and put him to death. But because of the crowd, they didn't want an uproar to occur, and nor did they want the people to turn on them. This parable of an owner who would speak, or who would create a vineyard and did all the work and spent all the money to have this vineyard go and leases it out to some tenant farmers. And what is going on here is not something new. The people could really relate to this parable. This was pretty common, that an owner would lease out his land for those to go and work it, and their income would be what they produced. And the rent from these tenant farmers would simply be a portion of the crop. So after a long time, the owner of the vineyard then sent a servant to collect his portion of the rent, well, the very portion he deserved, the very portion that they must have agreed on. But instead of giving a portion of the fruit of the crop, instead, the tenant farmers struck the servant and sent him away empty-handed. In the original language, the word for striking is not the Oscar slapping in the face. No, the word is actually more, more ugly. It literally means to tear one's skin off. They beat up this servant and left him half dead and sent him away empty-handed. It was extremely cruel what these tenant farmers were doing. And there was no excuse for it. There was no reason for it. They deserved, because they leased out this vineyard, they deserved to give the owner of the vineyard his portion. So the owner decides to send a, another servant. And what do they do to him? Well, they, it says they struck him, literally tearing his skin off. But then it also adds the words, they treated him shamefully. I find it interesting that you could take this, that the first servant was treated shamefully too, but since he adds this phrase to the second servant, I can't help but think that they treated him even worse. And so what does the owner of the vineyard do? He sends a third servant to go in and 
And how do they treat him? They said they wounded him severely. A completely different word than striking him. Wounding him severely is, is you would think, even more bloody. And they sent him away empty-handed. With every servant, it got worse and worse and worse in their treatment, which was not just directed to the servants, but it was really directed to the owner of the vineyard himself. So as we consider these words, we know that the tenant farmers have to be these religious leaders. So who would be the owner of the vineyard? But the almighty God himself. What would be the vineyard representing? Remember, this is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. The heavenly meaning would definitely point to all of Israel. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, the Lord himself spoke of Israel as his own personal vineyard. And the religious leaders would have known that. So who are these servants that are coming and being abused by these religious leaders, the tenant farmers? But it has to be the prophets that over the years God sent over and over again, preaching and teaching, called by God to preach and teach his holy word, to preach both the law and the gospel, which are the two main teachings of his holy word. And over and over, these prophets were, were getting beat up, and these prophets, many of them, even put to death. They weren't just hating the prophets, because the prophets were just doing what God called them to do. They answered to God. If God tells you to go, you go. Clearly their hatred was directed right to the tenant farmer themselves. And keep in mind, these are religious leaders. These are people who are think, thinking they're serving the Lord, but they're not. And if you're not serving the Lord, then ultimately you're serving your selfish self. Really, you're serving Satan, who tempts us to be selfish. When I think of these servants, I can't help but think of the very God who has called each and every one of us to be his disciples who've been called to go make disciples, to go make more of ourselves. And he, and Jesus himself even spelled it out using the tools of baptizing and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. To be a servant of Christ is to certainly grow in his holy name, but also to share that holy word with others. But the truth of the matter is, is many do not want to hear this. We can't nag them to death. All we can do is be seed planters, always sharing God's holy word, always letting the light shine, and above all, carrying those crosses that God brings before us, those crosses that come because people really hate the Lord. But in spite of that, we continue to proclaim his holy name, continue to share his holy name, and to be his servants who answer to the Lord God Almighty. So in the light of the world that you can expect will hate you, if they hate Christ, they will hate you. Continue to faithfully serve, knowing who you serve. You serve God. 
the very God who made you, the very God who saved you. May it never be that anyone ever despises the very word of God and the faithful preaching and teaching of that holy word. And may it never be that people reject God's very love. Now there's a saying I bet you have heard. Hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me. Because I let you hurt me again. Yeah, shame on me, I'm being the fool. And from a human perspective, you could say this owner of the vineyard was simply being a fool. You send one servant in, he gets beaten up. You get a second one, he gets beaten up. You get a third one, he gets beaten up. And now we're told he decides to send in his son. Maybe they'll respect the son. This is complete insanity, what the owner of the vineyard is doing. But don't mistake God's patience, his love, and his kindness as being foolishness. The fools is not the owner of the vineyard. The fools is the tenant farmers themselves, the religious leaders who are plotting and planning against the very Son, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So when the Son is sent, they plot and plan premeditated murder here, and they carry it out. They murdered him and, and threw him out of the vineyard. They hated this son, and we're told this is the son that the owner of the vineyard, that the very God the Father himself said, whom I love. Those very words recall what was spoken at his baptism. This is my son, whom I have chosen, with him I am well pleased. Or even at his transfiguration, where from the cloud, Peter, James, and John would hear, this is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. This is the very one chosen to be the Christ, the very Son of God who took on human flesh in order to pay for our sins, to live the life we could not live, and so that we would receive righteousness. And that state of being right with God is the very ticket to heaven. With his sacrifice on the cross, he won for us that forgiveness of sins, no longer living under the guilt and the shame and the fear that we deserve because of our sins. He paid that debt in full. And this is the son that they kill? This is the son that they hate? By the way, this is the son who's at the very heart of the entire Holy Scriptures. Even Jesus testified before the Pharisees, before all this, and said, these are the Scriptures that testify of me, that speak of me. So over the years, I've heard people say, hey, we need to dig deeper into the Bible. We need to find more meaning from the Bible. We need to really get in there and, and, and so we can really see it and feel it. And then if we really dig deep into the Bible, we'll find ourselves you know, being successful in life or, or maybe feeling good in life. Because we, we really dig, dig deeper and, and found the ultimate secrets. I've always said that you can never dig deeper than the center because as soon as you go past the center, you're just digging out the other side. And what's at the center of God's holy word is the message of Jesus Christ. 
You cannot dig deeper than that. That is the secret. That is the heart of the Holy Scriptures, the very Son of God himself, who is love and out of love, gave his life for us to save us. May it never be that people despise God's word. May it never be that they reject his love. And may it never be that people have to face his judgment of condemnation. What will happen to these tenant farmers? Jesus makes it very clear that the patience of, of the owner of the vineyard will run out and he will come with justice and he will be just and right when he ends those tenant farmers' lives and when he gives the ministry to someone else. Even Jesus himself quoted from the Old Testament to drive this home and this point home even more, quoting from Psalm 118, but the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces and it will crush the one on whom it falls. The stone that the builders rejected, that cornerstone, sometimes translated capstone, literally it means corner or head of the corner. So whether you see it as cornerstone or capstone, it was a stone that was rejected. That's why many leaned towards the capstone, because it wasn't square on all sides. It wasn't plumb. It, it was a wedge-type stone that sat in the archway, holding the doorway and that opening from collapsing in. It was also known as the keystone. That stone could only be used in that spot. It couldn't be used any other place in the building, so it would be thrown out. A cornerstone actually is a very important stone because that's the first stone you lay down. That's the stone that actually holds and supports two walls. It has to be perfectly plumb and even. And so whether you take it as the capstone or the cornerstone, Jesus is that foundation upon which the church is built. He is the foundation upon which is the heart of the Holy Scriptures. And to throw this stone out, all those who fall on this stone will be broken to pieces. Obviously speaking, of all those who reject the Lord in unbelief will be crushed. And on those upon which the stone falls, will certainly take place on Judgment Day when the Lord will have the holy angels gather us all before the throne of God to be judged. And those that have rejected the Lord in unbelief will find the judgment of condemnation. They will be crushed. The stone will fall on them. The patience of the Lord is going to one day run out, so don't take God's patience for granted now. Now is the time to come to the faith. Now is the time to take this to heart. Now is the time, knowing we're living in the end times, knowing that end could come at any time, that we continue to look to Jesus with believing hearts. This next Sunday will be Palm Sunday, and this will be the beginning of Holy Week. We will have a number of services that this community is invited to. We sent out over, 
we send out about 3,000 postcards. And I pray that people will take us up on our invitation and join us as we gather together, but also joining together with this prayer. May it never be that anyone, including ourselves, ever despise God's word, ever reject his love, or ever fall under God's judgment of condemnation. But may it always be that we look to him with a believing heart, because that son, that Jesus, he's our savior from sin. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran, and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.